This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave, and uh, we are moving along pretty smoothly today. I, I feel like uh, very soon we'll be... Uh, fully operational here in a few seconds, and I'll be uh, looking at my guest on the screen here. And uh, uh, my guest today, of course, is uh, the former representative, Ted Yoho, who term limited himself. And uh, maybe, I don't know, that's the, maybe everybody should do that, but he did it. And it's a blessing for us because he are, he's our co-host every Wednesday here on the Ward Scott Files. And we're brought to you, of course, we're in the Melton Law Studio with 50 years of experience, Melon Law is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. They won't back down, nor will the Gators. And the Gators didn't back down last Saturday in what was a very exciting game. Tammy, I still don't see Ted, so I just want to talk to production here for a moment and let them know what I'm seeing on my screen. Um, but um, uh, and I don't. they're going to need to stand firm this weekend, too, as well, on uh, Kentucky, which is a pretty tough squad and well-coached and doing as well as I can remember Kentucky ever doing, and we'll find out a little bit more about the Gators and the new program, the new coach at all, which is uh, evolving under some strange circumstances, un- un- unprecedented in college football with the name, image, and likeness and the uh, collective and the transfer portal and all that. So um, we'll see how all that plays into the thing too. So um, uh, we, uh, uh, he's on, I guess, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just cleaning up my computer. Yeah. All right. I see you. I'm seeing you, Ted, but I don't see you on my computer screen, but I see you on my iPhone screen. So I'll have to look at that, I suppose. But um, anyway, we also have protected 24-7-365 by, uh, of course, uh, crime prevention, which is our security system here. Contact them for all your security needs, cpss.net. And of course, uh, Please uh, take a look at the um, as you want at the uh, uh, mugshots and make sure that you are aware of what's going on in our culture. Criminality is um, in many men uh, people's perception increasing, and the criminals are getting loose, and the good people are being punished. So uh, we try to bring you a service by providing for you what really should be out there, public information. But the woke um, powers that be seem to have decided that we shan't see that, but we fix it so you can. So, Ted, great great to have you here with us. Um, Appreciate it, Warden. There you are, my man. And we are, are, are um, conversing a little bit before we came on the air, Ted and I did, about, oh, a number of things. It's, it's always a joy to talk with him because um, we, of course, free flow of information and our interest in a lot of things that we hope you're interested in as well. And... Uh, a couple of the items that are going on right now um, that uh, we wanted to talk about 
uh, were kind of funny in a way, and we just celebrated Labor Day. And I suggested to Ted when we went on the air, before we went on the air, Ted, I don't know. You know, Labor Day used to be a real day relief from labor. I can remember it was a big occasion in uh, my youth for the older men, you know, who were working. They re Labor Day was a big deal, Ted. And I guess it was surrounded by the unions and all that to begin with. But now I've got this article here, which you and I were talking about. This is out of the journal uh, on September the 3rd. The Americans who never went back to work after the pandemic. And, <laughs> uh, so uh, there are, according to this, Ted, um, since Labor Day 2021, unfilled non-farm positions have averaged over 11 million a month for every right. Unemployed person in the USA today, Ted, there are nearly two open jobs, and the labor shortage affects every region of the country. In spite of the fact that major sectors are now wide open to applicants without any skills, apart from the ability to show up for work. <laughs> and I might add, show up for work on time. <laughs> that's one of the, that's one of the uh, hallmarks of success, to show up. Just show yeah. up. And if you show up on a regular basis and on time, um, which I always had a problem with being on time. <laughs> <laughs> you have it uh, here, buddy. You're on the spot now. Yeah, that's here. right. Uh, I've grown up. <laughs> but that, 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 we've talked about the work ethic as being one of the strong things about the country. And uh, now, as one of my friends says, it's just another federal paid holiday. Uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. No, yeah. it really is. Um, you know, like you said, the Labor Day was something to celebrate the American worker. And, man, I remember, and I'm sure you do, being a young person, you know, I, I dug ditches for construction companies. You know, uh, uh, I was in the, the union as a laborer for our carpenters, and I tied steel with my brother. You know, we did all that stuff. And then working on the farm, you know, different farms, you know, doing different work. Um, yeah, I labored all my life, and I think it's a good thing. You know, you, it, it's biblical. A uh, man shall earn his bread by the sweat of his brow. And, uh, you know, you and I were talking about quiet quitting. That is the kind of the buzzword now. And it's funny because TikTok, owned by the Chinese Communist Party, referred to as the CCP, is out there promoting quiet quitting in America. You know, and this is another subliminal way of breaking down America and say, you don't have to work. And there was an article last week and it came out in Minneapolis, I think it was, where they're forming a union for the workers in Chipotle, Chipotle um, uh, Starbucks, uh, Amazon, and they're forming a union that they want to force on the employers more time off, more benefits, and they don't really want to work when they show up. That was amazing reading this article. And um, the guy that was the head of the union looked like a gangbanger, you know, gold chains, his hat backwards. And he's representing this group of people. Um, and Dollar General was trying to stay out of that. But, you know, the workers wanted that. And I'm thinking, you know what, this is probably a good thing because you have these multinational corporations to where customer service is terrible. And so now they unionize, so they're going to drive the, the labor costs up. You know, if you go to a restaurant like Starbucks, which I don't anyways, but the price of the coffee has to go up. And as it goes up, people are going to say, you know what, I can make a better cup of coffee at home, and they're going to go away. And then that's going to uh, create 
more mom and pop businesses like we used to have in the old days. And uh, I think that's a good thing because I think that will be the evolution of what we see probably 10 years from now. Interesting. Interesting. You know, come back full circle. Mom and pop will fill that niche. And, and uh, service will be added. Yes. Yes. Well, it's, uh, it's no secret among the people I know in the business world that getting help is one of the real difficult um, searches and getting good help that doesn't want to um, um, start out at the bottom. You know, once upon a time, we didn't have to come in at the top. You know what I mean, Ted? Uh, yeah. We worked our way up. And by the way, the most, I don't know, the, the, the job I disliked the most, but I had to do it because in our rural community, my grandmother always told me that if you have the reputation of, as a good worker, you'll always be needed. Okay. That's right. That was the ethic. So we kids would take these jobs. And one of the ones I disliked the most was detasseling corn. Uh, we would, because <laughs> those leaves would scratch you and that pollen. And we kids would be on these big crews that would go out in the Midwest uh, cornfields and detassel corn because the pollination experiments and yield right. and all that. And uh, I don't know, maybe we got a dollar an hour. I don't recall. It wasn't much, you know. But hey, we were glad to do it. And it was one of the rites of passage into manhood, really, right. that, that you had to do. And if you didn't do it, why? You know, it was it was a big deal in the community. Sure. It's just flip flop now, and one of the reasons I think it's flip flop is the definition of community has been abstracted. You know, we're we're a group of strangers among each other now, Ted. <clears throat> well, I think our communities get too big. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in a town you know, I grew up in Minnesota, Anoka, Minnesota. It had about ten thousand people, and everybody kind of knew each other. Uh, but you get into these big areas uh, that get to two, three, four, five hundred thousand people. There's no way to know any everybody, and so the community kind of breaks down. You might know some of the people on your neighborhood block, or you know everybody there, but you don't know the town that much. And I think you're absolutely right. And um, you know, I've thought a long time about how you can change government to represent voting precincts and have them part of the government reporting maybe to a county commissioner that reports to the state rep that, you know, they all work in hand in hand. And I know they're all separate uh, agencies or governmental bodies, but I think there should be better coordination in there. Um, this will we get got, worked. We've got a question here coming in from the viewer here uh, uh, about what the term transfer payments. Uh, can you give us uh, some education on transfer payments as I guess it's D.C. uses it. <clears throat> no, I don't know. I'd have to look into that and have, her, have them put that into context of transfer payments. Um, I know electronic benefit transfer is the EBT card. That's a transfer payment where you give a card, uh, you get a product, and the vendor gets paid by the government through food stamps. Uh, that's one form of that. Transfer payments, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody last night about how to hold the government accountable. and. Um, he was saying that there's through blockchains, there's a contractual agreement you can have where if the government does what they say they will do, then money can be allocated and released. And it was a way to hold the government accountable. And I said, that's, you know, that was a very interesting concept um, because right now they're not doing what they're supposed to. And you know, uh, the executive branch is not faithfully executing Article 2, Section 3. That clearly states 
the presidents shall faithfully execute the laws of the land. Um, so we should do transfer payments there. If they can put that in a different context, I might better be able to give a better answer. Well, one of the things I think might be on the minds here of some people when they see that, and it is a, um, a well, uh, one of the fellows who watches the show regularly, he was a pretty sharp guy, an accountant, and has been uh, involved with um, government fraud and that sort of thing. And, and oh, oops, I said the word government beep in food stamps, okay? Right. Um, says that it's really transfer my income to yours. <laughs> it's basically what it is. <clears throat> Basically, um, that we could go a whole week discussion on the food stamp program. You know, I, 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 Carolyn and I were on that when we first got married. It was under the Carter administration. Interest went way up. Inflation went way up. And uh, I got laid off. We were on them for six weeks. So I know the value of that program. And it's, it, it's a great program for those people that need it, but it's not a way of life. And unfortunately, it's become a way of life and that people have learned how to defraud it. And they're selling food stamps 50 cents on a dollar. And um, we had a great uh, presentation by a sheriff out of Duval County that showed where there was at least $1.8 million he uncovered in food stamp fraud in Duval County. Food stamp beep. <laughs> food stamp beep. <laughs> I'm, uh, I've been blocked. Oh, but, but anyways, we took it to the USDA and they 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 admitted the USDA admitted there's at least a billion dollars in food stamp beef. But <laughs> they said it's probably closer to four to seven billion dollars in beef. And if that's the case, let's go after it. It's not to take benefits away from anybody. It's to put more money into the program so it's more secure for the people that need it. But, um, man, it's an ugly fight up there, you know, because all of a sudden you're against poor people, you're against minorities, you're against veterans, anything they want to throw at you. And you know the, the, the song and dance that they do. And uh, the Republicans run away from that because they don't want to be viewed as people against poor people. Well, the viewer here used to investigate this sort of thing and says that the whole food stamp beat program was supposed to be a temporary lifeline. Temporary assistance for needy family is what it was called. And if you go back and I, you know, I, I did a lot of studying on it because I wanted to reform it and make it better for the people that really needed it, make sure it was there and get rid of the fraud. Um, oh, be. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. What kept it from you being successful with that? We, we brought this sheriff up from Duval County. We invited Republicans and Democrats very few Republicans came. No Democrats came at all. And this was something that he, they spent an hour or a year and a half to do this. And I asked him why he was doing it. He goes, I'm tired of my kids getting shot in these neighborhoods. And his investigation led to the gangbangers that were in prison that had gotten out, had gotten EBT certified as a vendor with a pickup truck and a, 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 refri or a freezer in the back of their truck with frozen foods. And what they were doing is they're exchanging food stamps, 50 cents on the dollar. And I mean, he had videotapes, he had audio tapes. And I mean, he had this very good investigation. The political fight up in DC comes down to you're against poor people, you're against minorities, you're against widows, you're veterans. That's the Democrat narrative. And they'll sit there and say, you guys hate poor people. And I'm like, you know, 
you can't get beyond that because their megaphone's louder because of the press and things like that. And keep in mind, politicians worry about their next election. The statesmen worry about their next generations, and there's too many politicians up there. Definitely. I don't think we've got a statesman anymore that I can put my finger on. Um, Really? Yeah. I mean, they just don't seem to exist. Uh, Easily uh, weather vane. They move with with the direction of the wind. Um, uh, Somebody says here a new F-bomb. Yeah. um, Yes, it is a new F-bomb. We don't do the F because uh, we get beeped by the algorithms uh i said i kid you not i mean that's how crazy it is ted but uh uh perhaps uh, if we get governments going, out there they're watching and yeah they're uh, watching they're watching what the board scott files will stay on boy i tell you uh, you know you brought up something i am absolutely not familiar with and i'll admit it here i don't pay any attention to it it's not aimed at anything i'm interested in and yet it seems to be very influential particularly among the young and that's tiktok and yeah. What, what, can you talk a little bit more about what the heck it's doing? Yeah, TikTok is a social media platform controlled by the CCP, which is the Chinese Communist Party. When you say uh, control, what do you mean by that? They tell people what content you can and can't have, and then they monitor it. Just like Zuckerberg. Just like Zuckerberg. Pretty much, but it's controlled by the Communist Party. It's controlled by the government and, and probably Facebook and all that is, too, it sounds like. Um, with what's coming out in the news. But TikTok, if you go back to President Trump, he was going to ban it in America, which was a good idea. You know, we're all for free speech and things like that. But this is a subliminal way of subverting our Constitution and the rule of law in our country. And it divides people um, like you see the chaos we have going on now. And so TikTok, as I was saying, is promoting quiet quitting in America. And they're just making us sound like this is a good thing because you don't have to show up at work. You know, we got used to staying home with the pandemic. And why should we have to go back to work? Um, you know, and some of those jobs, yeah, there should be flexibility in there. I'm not against that at all. But in reality, you know, coming off of Labor Day, like you said, we used to have to work. And you have to show up to get paid for the effort you put in. And if you have a job where you don't have to show up at work, be thankful, man. Woman. Yeah, our friend who was a uh, uh, a food stamp investigator says uh, Dade County monthly SNAP assistance food program stamps food stamps is well over one hundred million a month. Yeah, it's wow. amazing uh, when you wow. see that. And again, that must be a food. That must be a transfer payment. It is like EBT, electronic uh, funds transfer, um, benefit transfer. Um, it is. And if the American people knew that, they could hold their Amer- their representatives accountable. Say, I want that garbage fixed. But it, again, politics is run by the politicians, and they're looking at November for their next election. And this is also a good thing for us as the citizens, because we know their hearing gets more acute. And call them out on these things. What are you going to do about food stamp fraud? What are you going to do about this other stuff? You keep talking about holding government accountable. We want accountability and uh, transparency is one of their favorite buzzwords, but it never happens. And so when you go to these town hall meetings, um, whether it's Mike Waltz in my district or Kat Kamek in your district, when they show up, bring this up and say, what are you going to do to bring this to an end? And then hammer them every time you see them. What have you done? And if they don't do it the next election cycle, throw them out. 
You know, in the uh, review, and I'm with you on, on all that accountability. And one of the things we try to do on the show is get beyond the surface information as prevented in the popular media. I, one of my biggest disappointments is that what potential helpful tool known as free press is not free. And it doesn't dig deeply into much of anything. And it feeds off of the information that's given by the politicians. For example, what's on their minds now in the press, and check me if I'm wrong on this, is a half a trillion dollars in student debt that never had the approval of Congress. Right. Now, where in the world is the expose of that? Why isn't that all over the headlines? Instead, the headlines say, oh, Biden forgives student debt. Why didn't the headlines say, I'm always mystified by this. Why didn't the headlines say, Biden unconstitutionally forgives student debt? If that was Trump, it would say, Trump unconstitutionally gets rid of the student debt. Oh, Biden, it's a it's a political gimmick. It, it won't stand up in court. He does not have the authority to do that. And, um, you know, it's a that is a spending measure that goes through the House. Um, he cannot do that. And so he can tell these students are going to get rid of their debt. The election comes and goes and then the lawsuits will come and they're not going to get rid of their debt. Um, he can't do that. And uh, again, it goes back to Article two, Section three of the Constitution. The president shall faithfully execute the laws of the land. Now, if Congress and the House and the Senate pass a bill, said we're going to forgive all this debt, he can sign that in the law and do that. And, you know, we're at that situation with the balance we have in the House and the Senate that he, he could possibly do that. And again, it, it's wrong because you're giving away the American taxpayers money for uh, a debt that I didn't incur. Um, these individuals need to be held accountable. And this goes back to our former government. The founding father said this in the very beginning. You, in order to maintain a republic, you have to have a responsible, well-educated uh, electorate. You know, a responsibility for your actions. And um, <laughs> we, got, we, we got a question here too. It's interesting. Um, is it possible, since you've been there, that Raphael Warnock could get a security clearance to serve on a congressional committee? Yeah, I, I would think he could. Warnock, the Warnock. senator of Atlanta, out of Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, I think you could. You could get Maxine Waters on there or Val Demings. Val Demings is a, um, she's a very angry woman, uh, very progressive, um, uh, doesn't like the, the old white Anglo-Saxon patriarch that uh, AOC ranted about. Um <laughs> And it would be dangerous for Florida to elect her over Marco Rubio. Is that a possibility, you think, the way you're hearing it? But I hear it's a tight race, yeah. And, and again, this is where programs like yours and others, to educate the, the voters, if Val gets in there, Val Demings gets in there, you're going to have a very progressive liberal vote in the Senate for the state of Florida. Not just the state of Florida, but for our nation. And it really will change the dynamics up in D.C. Um, you know, she's very smart. She's very articulate. She was on the impeachment committees. Um, she was a sheriff of uh, Orange County. And I just, I have met her. We have had words. And You've had she, words? Good. <laughs> had words. Didn't get in the press. You know, she was more mature than the other person. <laughs> well, she My never did. from New York. 
she'd never tended bar. <laughs> I was a bartender. I know, I know not of her personal lifestyle. <laughs> I, I've tended bar. I, you got to be kind of rugged. You know what I'm saying? I've tended bar too, but at more as a patron. <laughs> <laughs> You've tended bar with your elbows on the bar, right? <laughs> yeah, I got you. I is, is it possible, you know, in this day and time, I suppose anything's possible, Ted, that the big guy and Hunter have have some sort of financial interest in TikTok? That's a good point. Maybe Mitch McConnell and his wife do too. Huh. Um, I don't know. Um, but I think they have, I think the Chinese, the CCP has enough on Hunter Biden and Joe, the big guy, um, that they kind of can control him, obviously, because of what they're doing. Um, you know, we've got some serious problems. And there again, this is the thing that irritates not just me, but a lot of people. I want government to do the things they're supposed to do. You know, I don't need to be told what bathroom I go into. You know, our Constitution protects the rights of everybody, you know, and people will argue that, you know, there's racism, discrimination. You know, as long as there's people on the planet, I think that'll always be. But we have a system that protects people. Let's use the system in place and let government focus on our debt. Let government focus on our our border, uh, on our national security foreign policies and things like that, our supply chains of rare earth metals and antibiotics, and the list goes on, instead of doing what they're doing. Dividing our- a really good point that all the propaganda, if you will, and I'll use the term, yeah. on Trump has been that Russia controls him, when in fact, it's more likely that China controls Biden. Well, again, this is that deflection that they do. They're going to keep it off on over on Trump. You know, Mar-a-Lago, he took all these things. In the meantime, this bad stuff that's going on and being the manipulation by maybe foreign powers. You know, I can't say they're doing it for sure, but it kind of sure looks that way. Well, it certainly uh, has been treated with kid gloves by the press. And we have absolute email documentation of that, do we not, that they were given the orders hands off on this story till after the election. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, Zuckerberg even said that, that uh, it was advised or advisement from the FBI to maybe leave that alone because they thought it was propaganda. Yeah, it was propaganda coming out of the FBI. Got a question coming. How do we restore faith in these institutions that seems to be really down the tubes? Uh, I don't know. I even I've talked to federal guys who don't trust the FBI. And, and and these guys work for the federal government in law enforcement, and they feel the FBI, along with the IRS, I suppose um, the Justice Department has been so heavily politicized, and they're not elected officials; they're staffers that are down buried in the uh, in the hole in the hole of the ship, if you will. Um, and you can't get to them. And every once in a while, we have a whistleblower, a blower, and that person's immediately. Uh, stigmatized or criticized or attacked, you know, what does this, was this going on when you were there? Oh yeah. I mean, it's been going on probably since the beginning of the Republic. You brought up the whistleblower. Remember Vinman in the Trump investigation, Russian collusion. Vinman was at, um, I think he was a Colonel or, um, he was in the military. He's the one that told that Trump said the things that he didn't say. And, he got celebrated by the left in the media as coming out being a straight whistleblower. But the guy that was Hunter Biden's partner, I forget his name, 
who said, you know, these emails are real. This is what happened. He gets vilified by the press and the left, you know, and so it just gets um, overloaded by negative negativity. And this positive stuff comes out on the other side that just pushes that story away. I forget what they call that. Um, But to answer that question, how do you restore faith in the agencies? What you have to do is go back to the basics. You know, when I played football, first day of college football up in a small school in Alabama, I was a lineman. Coach held held up a football. I was up there with my brother, and he goes, boy, he had a big chew of tobacco. He goes, boy, (laughs) this is a football. (laughs) Brother. And I said, boy, these people up here must really be ignorant because I knew that was a football. (laughs) But what he was emphasizing was get back to the basics, blocking and tackling. In these agencies, you have to start. I think, number one, we need to pray about it, get on our knees and humble ourselves as a nation. Number two is in these agencies, start holding people accountable. If you go back to when James Comey with the Hillary investigation I was in the airport, Carolyn and I were flying back to D.C., and he read that statement of all the bad things she did. I mean, I'm like, everybody celebrate because she's going to jail. And then at the end, he goes, but no reasonable prosecutor would ever take this on as a trial. Yeah, where did that come from? That's not his purview. That He is to investigate and recommend, but not make decisions like that. And until you start holding these people accountable, it's not going to change the moment you start holding these agencies accountable, you're going to see other people in the agencies like, boy, I don't want that to happen to me. Kind of like what Biden is doing with MAGA supporters. We're insurrectionists. We're anti-American, anti-patriotic. As I look at my flag and the U.S. Coast Guard flag flying over my dock here on the river, and I'm like, I'm anti anti-American. Yeah, 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 yeah. My president. Isn't that something? Isn't that yeah. something? The president calling half the country anti-country. You know, it's uh, it, I, it's amazing. And he ran I, on being a, a uniter, not a divider. Yeah, so Obama did that too. Uh, I, I, I forced myself to listen to that speech, and I just got a kick out of when he said, better man than I. <laughs> he said, you can't just love your country when your side wins. You've got to love your country when your side loses. I'm like, let's go back to 2016 there, big guy. And uh, the the hundreds of thousands of people that were up in, in Washington wearing their pink hats, protesting Madonna up there, doing the F-bomb, blowing up the White House and all that. You know, I'm like, I don't think they were loving their country at the time. So, <laughs> we're talking Ted Yoho here in the Ward Scott Files, and we enjoy watching the chat line come in. I'm looking at your comments. Uh, if you call me on the sideline, I do not see it right away. I'd rather you chatted and let me see the questions. Uh, we're going to take our break here at the bottom of the hour, and we'll come back after I do the weather on behalf of Lewis Oil, one of our great sponsors, and we'll continue. If you have questions, put them in the chat line, and we'll take a look and get them hopefully answered for you. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on 
on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Louis. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here. Uh, coming out of our bottom of the hour break, I want to do a little bit of Ward's weather report here with you. And um, let you know that one of the big questions here in our community last weekend was, will it rain in the swamp? And, of course, for a gator, that doesn't really matter much. The rain in the swamp is something the gator is accustomed to. And also the humidity in the swamp has been a problem for, say, Utah. Uh, They really kind of um, were affected by that to some degree. And they had tried to prepare for it by imitating, uh, as really difficult to do in Utah, um, humidity by throwing water in the air, as I understand it, during their practice sessions and all that. Um, but Kentucky will be a little more acclimated, uh, being uh, a little closer to uh, humidity as we're accustomed to here. But the rain may come down. I've been looking at the weather because um, just get ready. And it's not the rain so much. Uh, it's the lightning. I have a friend who is the a lightning referee, if you will, of the Florida games. And by this, I mean my good friend is an electrical engineer from university, roams the sideline with equipment and has the ability and the power uh, that supersedes all other power on that field to call off the game if there's lightning too close. And that's what he does. He monitors that the entire uh, game. And fortunately, hopefully, we won't have it this weekend coming up. We didn't have it last weekend, um, but, you know, we could. So be prepared expectantly right now the weather is going to be a wet weekend for football with possibly one to two inches of rain because we have a disturbance in the Gulf 
um, that is stirring up certainly a lot of rain uh, to the north of us, probably through Tallahassee and on up uh, where Plantation Mark and his uh, folks are. But uh, right now we've got an 89 degree high with a 74 degree low and a 45 percent chance of rain today. But we've got river flood warnings and um, you got to kind of keep your eye on this because we're pretty much saturated in many parts of the county. I don't know how it is where Ted is, where uh, he's in Putnam County and he's right. over there. But uh, he may, uh, you know, certainly uh, we've got to deal with it here in, uh, in, in Florida. So that's basically the weather right now is I'm looking out a few days ahead to so many people ask, you know, what's the weather going to be on the weekend? As I would prepare to bring ponchos and prepare to be ready to sit there, perhaps, hopefully, uh, not necessarily, under a lightning delay. So um, talking with Ted Yoho now, who's our host, uh, co-host every Wednesday, and really we've enjoyed working together on your behalf, the citizens who would like to um, share uh, in our conversations, and we certainly uh, want to share them with you, um, what we see in the political um, future, present, past, and what those implications are for what we see. And of course, it's all subject to your input and your criticism. Uh, everything here is um, always uh, available for your input. And it's not necessarily um, the last word and the final word, but as you know, the final word will be voting and how you vote. So we're really trying to make an educated voter here as much as possible. Uh, so, Ted, um, uh, that's my weather for now, and, and uh, uh, welcome back on here with me. So, uh, hey, welcome to Florida. That's weather in Florida, hot. Yeah, that, that, that is weather in Florida. And I was looking as I was researching weather, and I've always known this, Ted. I thought it anyway. When you get in a small plane and fly over Florida, uh, you realize we're really a water with islands more than we are land with lakes. That's and right. <laughs> if you go back millions of years, we were underwater in Florida. We and, were. Yeah. People don't realize that, but it, it is an interesting history. And it's, uh, it's it happened before global warming or climate change or anything else, you know? Those bad dinosaurs. Yeah, those bad dinosaurs turned up too many much dust and everything, huh? But, uh, you know, I've always, thought, I've always realized riding in a small plane, you look out and you say, my golly, there's water everywhere. And, water everywhere. We are blessed with a lot of water. Unfortunately, yeah. over-blessed sometimes. And, and, of course, the other thing we can do is well, um, you know, we can grow grass, and that's important for the cattle. But, uh, you know, we're probably getting away. You know, we both have agricultural interests. Of course, Ted was a veterinarian, large animal veterinarian, and uh, played an important, absolutely essential role in the, in the, uh, in the rural community. But I got to say, life. Ted, huh? It was a good lifestyle. It was a good lifestyle. You knew a lot of good people. <coughs> Salt and, of uh, earth people. Yeah, and I, I you know, I still... In a younger world, if I had it, I'd probably be out on a horse with dogs rounding up the cattle. I mean, I think in a younger world, I mean, what's not the life? Huh? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I got a couple of buddies who do that, and they watch the show, and and they come and help load for me whenever we need them. So that's another art and dying breed. I hope we don't ever lose. But uh, uh, you know, fortunately, um, they can't really touch that in DC. Apparently, uh, well, I guess they could. Tell me how they could. You tried to get some things done for agriculture. Were you successful, partly successful? How'd that work out? Yeah, we got some things done. We had the Veterinary Mobility Act was the first bill I got signed in the law that allowed us to carry 
regulated drugs on our mobile units to the farm. And if not, if you had to do something where you had to lay an animal down to do a procedure, that person would have had to bring the, the animal to the clinic. So we got that passed. Um, um, foot and mouth disease is a disease that if it hits America, uh, it would decimate the cattle industry and not just the cattle industry, all the peripheral industries around that tractors, fertilizers, hay, all those things, it would stop the export market today. And it'd be about a $300 billion impact to our economy, the foot and mouth disease. And we uh, initiated creating a FMD, foot and mouth disease vaccine bank here in the United States. And they're putting it in the new, they're shutting down Plum Island off of New York where all of our biological research was going on and it's moved to Kansas. And we try to get it um, in a, a, a closer location to the University of Florida and, and Florida where we could, you know, have more input into that. But I'm happy to say that got done through our initiative, uh, working with the NCBA, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, the FCA, the Florida Cattlemen's, and um, the USDA, and, and the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association. And I feel good about that because that was an initiative we had. But you brought up that Florida agricultural uh, situation. USMCA, we talked about this last time, was not a good deal for Florida agriculture as far as produce. Dairy and beef, it was probably acceptable. Um, but it's, yeah, we, I think the big thing people need to know is when we start losing those farms in Florida, they're never coming back. Those farms will be displaced. You'll have subdivisions. And, of course, you see that down in the villages where uh, Man Bailey and his family had thousands of acres and thousands of head of cattle. Now there's tens of thousands of heads of uh, transplants in people. And um, I would have to think that's a higher environmental impact, having houses and people and blacktop roads and all that and changes the runoff of the water and the pollution that comes from people and cars and all that than it is cows out there grazing on land. For people who don't know about hoof and mouth, can you give a brief uh, definition for them? Yeah, foot and mouth disease is a, a virus that's uh, transmitted, and it's heavily, it's very prevalent in the Asian countries. And it's exactly what it says. They get lesions in the foot, in their feet, and the claws, and it's in what we call ungulate animals that have claws. So your, um, your cattle, sheep, uh, swine, anything that has a split hoof, uh, it can get into the deer population. And what happens is it doesn't kill them per se, the disease, but they get to where they can't move around. They can't eat because of the lesions in their mouth. And they'll either lose tremendous amount of weight and it takes them, if they recover, it takes them forever. So your production goes down. And then a lot of the animals will die just because they can't swallow and they can't eat and they can't move around. So they're susceptible to predators. And again, if that were to happen in this country, it's test, slaughter, and remove. And exports will stop today. And uh, it's something we've never had, we don't want in this country. But there's a lot of countries. And the interesting thing, that virus will stay um, viable for over 48 to 50 days in food being transported from, say, China or one of the Asian countries where it's endemic, it gets transported over here on container ships. It'll stay viable for 48 to 50 days. Um, it's hard to kill, and it'll stay in frozen foods. Um, it'll stay, I think they've tested it 30 to 40 days at sub-zero temperatures, 
and when it thaws out, it's still viable. So it's a very, very pesky type of uh, disease, and uh, it's something we don't want. And of course, you know, they've got dogs trained to pick that up at our ports, and uh, I kind of laughed, and I said, that's the best technology we have is beagles testing this <laughs> right now. And I said, well, I guess all we have to do is just get as smart as a dog so that we can all be um, um, be able to detect that. Uh, but people bring in uh, meat products all the time from these countries that are endemic with that. Well, you know, when I was chair of the Rural Concerns, we would have some uh, uh, people come report to us uh, about the non-invasive species, many right. of which come in on pallets yeah. uh, at the loading docks. Yep. And I can remember when the first um, appearance of Kogan grass, uh, nobody knew what it was. You couldn't cut it. You couldn't burn it. You couldn't disc it. Uh, how did you get rid of it? Um, we had people come. We had a big committee come in uh, from the horse world, the cattle world, the university. Nobody had any answers. And I, I, you know, I've since um, wondered what it meant. And we found out, too, that much of it came in the lime rock. Uh, that the county would put on the roads as they graded them and then put the lime rock down. The cogan grass was in there. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's how it spread. It became a problem when it jumped the county right away into the private pasture. And that's that was really an issue. So, yeah, what goes on at those docks? We, yeah. we spend we spend billions of dollars on invasive species. And, uh, you know, you, you look at citrus greening, HBG. Hunga bunga lung something because these came from uh, China and it's decimated our Florida citrus. Florida, you know, we're we're still the number one producer of citrus in the country, and um, um, but it's decimated our trees. We went from I think it was I can't remember the exact number. It's three or four hundred million boxes a, a, a season, and we're down to fifty to seventy five boxes, seventy fifty to seventy five million boxes, and again. All you have to do is go through central Florida where all those orange groves used to be, where it smelt so good during the, the, the flowering season down there. And they're all condominiums and homes now. So, um, yeah, it, it'll forever change. And uh, I don't want to get into a situation where some of these countries I went to, 95% of their food is imported. And you can we've seen the oil importation of the 70s where this country was dependent on foreign oil. I don't want that with our food. I can live without the oil, but I can't, we can't live without our own food. You know, I talked to my mother who came through the depression and I said, mother, how'd you make it? She said, well, we didn't have money, but we had food. That's right. And they grew, could grow it. And they were still agrarian and they, and, you know, they knew how to fix things and cook and can and all that business so they could make it. But now it bothers me that if we do go into a situation like that, we will have no money, really, if you have paper, but, you know, the value and no food because you and I both know it takes about two hours to clean out a shopping center during a hurricane. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, break down the supply chain and you get crazy policies like in uh, California where Gavin Newsom um, put a they passed a bill, signed it into law where if you're an independent trucker, you can't work in. California. So you have to be unionized or part of the Teamsters. And that's 70,000 truck drivers that are not driving. And that's where all, a lot of the stuff comes in from the Asian market is the California ports. So yeah, have a big hurricane come in Florida. And you think you see supply disruption? You haven't seen anything yet. It takes about um, two hours to clean those places that's out. exactly right. And uh, yeah, 
people will have to learn how to plant things. And first thing you want to plant are radishes because they're the They'll mature in 21 days and you can eat them. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great viewer and supporter of the show. Uh, 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 Mark, uh, Plantation Mark, we call him Mark and Margaret Cook. They live, used to live in East Gainesville and they watch every day. And Man, I know them well. Do you know them well? Yeah. They're a great supporter. They're a great friend. And they're yeah. up in Virginia, aren't they? Yeah, they're in Virginia. They're on the, uh, they're on the chat line right now. They watch every day and they are... Mark is the Renaissance man. I mean, he is back in the woods. He's got his own food, but he's got his own communication system back there. He is wired in all day long. He That's knows great. what's going on. He'll call me occasionally and say, get on the show, or get on the TV. So-and-so is getting ready to talk. And I'm wondering, how does he know it? Because he's out there on a tractor, but he knows it. <laughs> so, uh, no, we have plantation people. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, there's a lot of people who know you Say, ask me to tell you hello uh, um, because uh, you know them and all that. So we have an old home week and we went down the list. But yeah, Mark is on right now watching. And um, he said that Margaret has canned 21 quarts of beans so far. <laughs> you know, that right there, if you were to have people go out and say, go can your own beans or corn right now. Yeah. How many, what percentage of the population could do that today? I don't think they'd know where to start, you know. Um, it, nope. it would just be, it would just be, you know, over there. There's nobody to teach them, to have taught Well, them. you know, it gets back to the basics, like my football coach says. This is a football. It's blocking and tackling. Yeah. <laughs> Run the ball and protect it. But uh, you were talking about Marlago and the search warrants down there. Do you want to go into that? Yeah, I want to go into what is the, your understanding of what a president has um, control of legitimately. You know, I'm not an expert on the subject, but I do know there's the PRA, the Presidential Record Act, that he can designate what he wants protected, what he wants to release. He could have released the John F. Kennedy assassination files, but for some reason, and I don't know why I did not have privy to this, of why he didn't do that, but he could have released that. And so every president has the right to designate what they want to protect and what they deem not to. And what I saw with him when it was the Russian gate investigation, that hoax that we went through for three and a half years, he, he says, Hey, I'll turn all my records over, which took the fire out of the Democrats because they thought he was going to fight tooth and nail to turn it loose. But if, and so I think when you get into this raid that we saw at Mar-a-Lago, when you look at the fourth amendment, I got it pulled up right here. Cause I want to get it right. The right of the people to secure in their person, in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants with a capital W shall shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. And I think, I mean, the wisdom of our founders back 200 plus years ago to put that in place, and it's stood through time, the test of time, but now we're seeing it being eroded by the Marxist left uh, to go after these things. If we would have used that terminology when the Russian hoax happened, had the Justice Department held Peter Strzok accountable, and this goes back to one of your previous questions, how do we restore faith in the agencies? If the Justice Department had done their job 
and not allowed the first warrant to be put out. And you and I talked about this on your show. The first warrant in the FISA investigation on the Russian hoax, I can understand how they let that go. But the second, third and fourth should never have happened. Had they held Peter Strzok accountable, he would be in jail. And these other agencies would start to moderate and start following the Constitution. And until we do that as a nation, until we hold our elected leaders responsible and put the pressure on them to do this or throw them out of office, it's not going to change. You had a phrase of the Constitution as a phrase there, um, speaking, uh, searching specifically for, oh, you can't go on an Easter egg hunt. Right. But this appears to be, to everyone, an Easter egg hunt. Let's go bust in there and hope we find something. Right. I mean, what else can it be? I mean, it didn't. And I've talked to a lot of people about this who are in the know, you know beside you and federal attorneys and a whole bit. And the president has the ability, the power to, as you say, classify or declassify what he wants to, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I heard William Barr said, well, he said, I think he was mocking Trump. And he goes, I can see Trump overlooking all the boxes, not knowing what's in there and say they're declassified. You know, I'm, maybe that's the way the law is written. I, again, I'm not an expert in it. But had we held the, 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 the FBI accountable on those FISA warrants four years ago or five years ago, Trump probably would never have been impeached. And um, for them to go in there on an Easter egg hunt, because this is all this is, keep in mind what it is all about. Trump had up, upset the apple cart so much and getting at the deep state, breaking up these the FBI and these agencies that they are scared to death of them. And so they are doing everything. Think of everything they've done to him up to this point. And he still has these rallies and people are showing up in droves. And now the president, Biden, is saying anybody that's a MAGA supporter is basically an enemy of the country. They are so afraid of Donald Trump. And so anything they can do to bring him down, they're going to continue through the election. They don't want him back in power. And, um, you know, as disruptive as he is, we call him disruptive technology, um, he may be the right person to go back in there. I mean, I know he was inflammatory and all that, but he's the one with the backbone that will break these agencies up and they're deathly afraid of him. You know, you used a term there that's very, very little of, and that's backbone. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have, there's just no backbone. I, I just know, you know, so many people who know what's going on. I mean, they, well, yeah, well, I see the social, but they're not going to do anything because they, they don't I, do anything. They don't well, do anything. Again, it goes back to politicians versus statesmen. They're worried about their next election because they want to be there. It's nice. I, I can't tell you, I had Republicans tell me, you know, Hey, this is a pretty good, easy gig, you know, uh, you know, just vote with leadership, go back to your district, and um, don't worry about it. Raise some money. And, you know, those people need to be thrown out of office. They're not there for the heart of America. For the, as Biden says, the soul of America. Uh, <laughs> he ought to search for his own soul. Well, it is, and that's a career guy who's made a living off being a government guy. <laughs> and has changed. If you go back and examine what's come out of his mouth over the years, it's been whatever needed to be said at the time. And, uh, and, you know, there's no absolute, there's no principled position that uh, from which he appears to operate is all whatever is like situational. Yeah, oh, yeah. Situational. here's my principle today. Here's my principle tomorrow. Yeah. You know, it's whatever way the wind's blowing. 
Clinton was well, like that too. Trump well, was he, never like that. I mean, no, 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 no. He was never. You know, that, that's just not. That's not his nature. He can't live with himself right. if he does that. So, the the you know, let's go back. I know it's 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 comical the the, the run in you had with her, but that whole little crew. They've been kind of silent lately, haven't they? You know, that's funny you brought that up. I was talking to Carol and my wife last night how the squad has been quiet. And I know a lot of that is the heavy hand of Pelosi. You know, um, you know, there's people who say, well, you know, all of her connections to the mafia through her dad and all that. But uh -huh. she is an authoritarian in the house. And she, had, well, you, you saw what her daughter said. She'll cut your throat and you won't even know it was cut. Um, you know, her own daughter said that on TV. And she has a way of reining in people. And uh, I commend her for that. You know, you, you have to admire her abilities. I don't like any of her policies. And I think she's an evil person. Very, very um, hypocritical. Um, but the squad, get back to your point, they have been pretty much silenced. And that's kind of scary because what's really happening is they're getting the Green New Deal. They're moving in yeah, on yeah. wages. They're moving in on, you know, electric cars, getting rid of the fossil fuel industry. And so they're accomplishing what they want. The machine's in progress and it's happening. So why go out there and make a spectacle of it to get people fighting against you? And again, that's, that's good politics to get an agenda across. And again, I think this goes back to Obama and O'Biden in fundamentally changing America. It's happening, and they know it's happening. It's happening faster than they probably thought. And so let's just play along. And when they wake up tomorrow, we'll be a socialist nation. Well, you know, um, I'm thinking what you said about her. I'm imagining a conversation where she calls up the squad and says, now listen, ladies, um, we're going to give you what you want, but you, on one condition, that's that you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I can imagine a conversation and, you know, and otherwise, you know, we're going to, uh, you're going to blow the whole thing up. We think we can sneak this past the public if you'll just shut up, you know? Well, the election's coming up. And so why create more controversy against your side? And Boehner tried to get us to do this when we were in the Freedom Caucus. Uh, said we were going to throw the election. I'm like, the election's thrown because you guys aren't leading. Paul Ryan the same way. And, you know, I think they're just smarter. And you and I have talked about this. The Democrats work together better as a block than the Republicans. We're more independent thinking. And um, if we had a strong leader in the House um, that had a vision for the, where this country is going and could articulate that and, and lead on that, the Republicans would be just as strong. But there's too many egos in the way because there's a lack of leadership of a strong leader. Talk with Ted Yohan. One final word. I guess we're about out of time. But one thing I did do once upon a time, Ted, is um, I became a Senate president of the Santa Fe College. I was Senate president for four years. At that time, it was unprecedented to succeed yourself that many times. And, wow. and I went and read about Lyndon Johnson when he was the senator and how he got things done. And, buddy, you're talking about if you don't agree, uh, we got a hole out here. It ain't got no bottom in it as the country boys say, you yeah. know, and, you know, Lyndon Johnson had a brother who was an embarrassment to him. I don't know if you remember this, who was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And they came to Lyndon Johnson and said, your brother 
is, you know, not doing your reputation any good. Lyndon Johnson went to that brother and said, you need to um, shut your trap or, and the brother did. That was compared to Jimmy Carter, who had Billy Carter. And they came to Jimmy Carter, I don't know if you recall this, and said, you know, Billy Carter is over in Libya with Gaddafi, and here you are, the President of the United States. Don't, can't you stick a rag in his mouth? And Jimmy Carter says, that's Billy Carter. He's my brother. He can do what he wants to do. <laughs> He's over there selling Billy beer. <laughs> He's over there selling Billy beer. I mean, my golly, what a comparison. I've studied those boys. And guess who was more powerful and lasted longer, except when he, you know, got out of the presidency because he couldn't handle the war. But in the Senate, he was a powerful guy, Lyndon Johnson. There's a great um, part on him in um, uh, In War and Peace by Gene Edward Smith. And there's a lot of talk about how Johnson worked with Eisenhower in the Vietnam War and all that stuff on the, the political mover, movement in there, which I never knew about Johnson. Uh, he was a powerful man in there. Well, we're out of town, boys. Great talking to you, Ted. Keep me posted. We'll chat, and we'll figure out where we're going to be talking to you next from. And thanks for tuning in and chatting with us on the Ward Scott Files. Uh, we will appreciate uh, all our listeners and donors and sure do. supporters and sponsors, and uh, we are going to keep this uh, light burning as long as we can. So have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.